0: Welcome to the Optimal CEO Podcast. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Join me on today's episode where we'll be discussing how I went from weighing 390 pounds to losing the weight and living a fit life all without diet pills or surgery. Even if your scale weight doesn't reflect the numbers in the obese range, you're going to want to listen to today's episode where I discuss the newest concepts of defining obesity from the inside out. Here at the Optimal CEO Podcast, we help CEO entrepreneurs who love taking ownership of their wellness journey because they know it's their most prized investment. And when their state of wellness is at its peak, their income soars. We want to help relieve CEO entrepreneurs from the pressure of unnecessary health exposure so they can be highly focused on growing their business and physically optimized for the journey. They can enjoy getting there. Thanks for joining me today. This episode wraps up the last of a three part series that I consider my journey to wellness. Last week, I explained how I went from depressed and suicidal to fully restored with natural treatment alternatives after a 16-year journey with nine different psychiatric medications. I explained my epiphany that as we age, there are certain biological systems that begin to decline in the body, and how my traditional medical training had not prepared me for this epiphany, uh, because of the lockstep mantra of traditional medicine and my training is quote unquote, you're getting older. What do you expect? Here's the latest and greatest big pharma treatment for you to try. Today in this last segment, I'm going to explore a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. And that topic is obesity. Now, before you tune out and quit listening because you think you don't have a weight issue, I want you to hear this. If you were to step onto the scales right now, what's going on inside your body is way more important than the number you'd be staring at. In the past few years, obesity researchers have expanded their focus to include people who are what they call thin on the outside, fat on the inside. You see, there's more than one way to be obese. In the traditional sense of the term, obesity means you're visibly overweight. In the non-traditional sense of the term, obesity means you look, quote unquote, normal on the outside, but you are fat and fluffy on the inside. Now, I know this may be a new concept for some of the people listening out there. Uh, So what do I mean by this? Let me explain. Uh, Some people fall within a normal weight. Yet, when we look at their lean muscle mass to fat mass ratio, it's way off. According to the American Council on Exercise, those who are physically fit, which is a defined category, um, not to be confused with another category of quote-unquote athletes, uh, those who are physically fit should fall within these ranges. Uh, Women should have about 21 to 24% body fat, and men should have about 14 to 17% body fat. Now, my thoughts are that these are simply goals to shoot for because most people simply don't fall within those ranges. However, while you're moving toward these goals, start working aggressively on becoming thin on the inside. Here's what I mean. There are a lot of people running around with high inflammatory uh, numbers in their blood work, uh, high cholesterol numbers, really crappy diets, and very little exercise who appear to be able to eat anything they want without gaining weight. Now, you know those people. I know those people. They aggravate you probably, and I know for sure they aggravate me. Now, they appear thin by society standards. Yet, when we literally take a microscopic look at them, they are a hot mess. You see, the unfortunate bill of goods we've all been sold is that obesity is defined by a physical appearance. This is simply a, a social construct that has a, a very narrow and often damaging impact on your health, both, both emotionally and physically. It lulls people into the false sense of security that everything is A-OK if your outward appearance fits societal norms, when in fact nothing could be further from the truth. How many times have you heard of a person who appears physically fit um, having a heart attack or dropping dead of a heart attack? Look at the Biggest Losers TV personality Bob Harper, Uh, He ate well, he exercised well, and quite frankly, he had the physique of a male model. Yet, Bob had a heart attack in 2017. Now, this is public knowledge, and uh, even what I'm about to share with you is public knowledge. Uh, the, The reason he had this heart attack was because of a genetic condition that made him fat on the inside. Because of his specific ApoE genotype, he had an elevation in a dangerous little cholesterol particle. Now, this little particle is 300% more predictive of vascular event type deaths than any other particle we know of. Now, did you know that traditional medicine lipid profiles, or they're also called cholesterol panels, don't even check for this number, uh, this little particle? Did you know that 99% or more of cardiologists worldwide, pardon the phrase, poo-poo, the concept of even checking for this particle, and that they rationalize their lack of checking it with the the statement, well, we don't have anything to treat it with. And did you know that this is simply medical lingo uh, for big pharma hasn't given us a treatment yet? And did you know that there are two natural treatments that will virtually take this particle to nearly undetectable levels within about 12 weeks. And in many cases, they may even reverse the plaque deposits in the arteries that have been caused by this little particle. I venture a guess that you didn't know any of these things because 99% or better of the public doesn't. And the reason is there's no magic bullet treatment put out by big pharma to treat it. Therefore, no one in the medical community or the public gets told about it. I'm telling you these things so you can be informed. I want you to make an educated decision about your health, about your wellness journey, and about whether or not you're truly thin or secretly obese. This particle is called lipoprotein alpha. And it's one that we all need to start paying attention to. It's one that I aggressively monitor and treat in my wellness clients. And something you don't know that most medical providers don't know as well is that this particle was identified in the 1960s, and it didn't really come to light in the advanced uh, functional and and, and integrative medicine community until uh, the early 2000s. Uh, when we started treating it or or identifying it and treating it aggressively. Now, there are many other examples uh, we can talk about in relation to being defined as obese. But I want to transition to another golden goose, as I call it, that no one dares to talk about. In the late 1800s, Dr. John Harvey coined the phrase, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. How many of you guys have heard that? I know I sure have. I heard it from the time I could remember hearing that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, he coined this phrase to sell his line. This is, this is the irony of his health foods, quote unquote, to his patients. Now, his brother, W.K. Harvey, was the business brains behind this entire concept. Um, in fact, he and his brother, John, had a huge falling out and WK took over ownership of it, took the concept, and ran with it, and took it um, eventually international. Now, WK took the concept of breakfast as the most important meal of the day to the masses in 1908, when they incorporated as the international brand they're known as today. After nearly 60 years Their loyal customer base had become unshakable in their belief that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. Their campaign was a huge success. At that point, this corporate giant was able to add alternative sales slogans such as, We put more into your morning, and another slogan that we all grew up hearing, They're great. That's right. The inventors of cornflakes and frosted flakes convinced the world that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. The Kellogg Corporation is now one of the most powerful food giants in the world marketplace, and generations of unsuspecting people have been led to believe that grains are the answer. I call this era, laughingly and sadly in food history, the grain rush. Uh, But the Kellogg Corporation was not the only company to participate in the grain rush of the 20th century. Companies like Martha White, Betty Crocker, Little Debbie, General Mills, Procter & Gamble, just to name a few, all jumped on the bandwagon and grew their respective companies to corporate giant status. Grain was king, and and unfortunately still is. If you want to know more about how grains have flooded our consciousness, our diet, our fat cells and our waistlines, Uh, I encourage you to check out the Netflix documentary, The Magic Pill. It'll be uh, one hour of your time well spent in gaining a keen understanding of why you shouldn't be eating grains or other processed foods. Now I wanna close out with this. I get asked all the time, Brian, how did you lose your weight? Was it easy? (laughs) Heck no, it wasn't easy. Uh, Did it require hard work? You better believe it required hard work. Uh, Am I still a work in progress? You better believe I am. i found what works for me, and there is no magic pill. Trust me on that one. Uh, Believe me when I say if it was a fad diet out there to be found, I found it. I've done the HCG hormone diet where I only ate 500 calories a day and injected HCG hormone every day. I've done amphetamine diet pills. I've done herbal diet pills. I've done ephedra before it was banned. I've done Nutrisystem. I've done Weight Watchers. I've done Jenny Craig. I've done LA Weight Loss. I've done just about every crazy fad diet ever published, like the cabbage soup diet, the egg diet, and many more. I can't even remember. (laughs) The list just keeps going on and on. What worked for me is this. And it's exactly what I use with my clients. It's no big secret. Eat clean, whole, organic foods. Eliminate grains from your diet. And yes, corn is a grain. It's not a vegetable. Eliminate sugar from your diet. Do perimeter shopping. And for those of you guys who don't know what perimeter shopping is, you're simply going around the edges of the grocery store and, um, Really and truly, the only time you should go in the middle aisles is if you need dog food, um, you need uh, toilet paper, uh, or you need spices. The other things I I found that worked for me were food prep, um, smart exercise. And when I say smart exercise, I mean uh, working out correctly for your body type, working out correctly for what you have time to do, working out correctly for what your adrenal status is. Um, working out correctly for what, um, what your, your genetic type is. Um, and that's some newer research that's come out in the past few years. Um, another thing I found is drinking four liters of water per day. I don't compromise on that. Uh, some days, you know, I miss it and I only get three liters of water in, but I shoot for four liters of water every day and, and usually have my first liter of water in by 6 a.m. Um, the other thing I found that works is quality sun exposure. Um, and getting the right amount of sleep every single night. Also, hormone optimization, thyroid optimization, and stress management. Now, researchers tell us that the average American gains one to two pounds per year. Researchers also tell us that the obese population is one of the fastest growing populations, and that diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and cancer... Uh, the growth curves for those diseases actually almost mirror the growth curve of obesity. Uh, The net result of using these techniques uh, that I found that work in my life um, have caused me to lose much more than one to two pounds per year uh, instead of gaining one to two pounds per year. Now, in the atmosphere of transparency, I can't say that every waking moment of every day in my weight loss journey has been perfect. Uh, There were times I gained weight back. Uh, There were times I fell off of the trail horse uh, and had to get back on and continue the journey down the trail. Uh, There were other times when I fell off the trail horse, walked into the gorge, and jumped off the cliff only to find myself 320 pounds later desperately climbing back up that cliff, going back through that gorge and finding my trail horse patiently waiting on me to saddle up and continue my journey. But with humble gratitude, I can honestly say I've never gained back up to 390 pounds. Thankfully, I always came to my senses, crawled back up uh, off of that cliff, uh, out of that gorge and back into the saddle. As weird as it may sound, it's those journeys that, um, and those major foul-ups that have made me the clinician, the functional medicine and integrative medicine clinician I am today. It's made me that proverbial um, hand-over-the-side-of-the-cliff image that has always been there to help a brother or sister back up on their feet and continuing their journey. When it comes to losing weight, I, I have to talk about a hot button of mine. So I'm going to transition a little bit. Uh, That hot button is this. And I really feel like I'd be doing you a disservice if I didn't talk about it because it's rampant out there these days. There are pop-up clinics all over the place that are doing amphetamines. Uh, They're doing amphetamine weight loss. Um, And and they're everywhere. Uh, They are in business because human beings by nature, are inherently lazy. I don't know any other way to put it, and we simply want a quick fix. We're impatient, we're lazy, and we want a quick fix. We live in what I call a microwave generation where we expect to get results in 30 seconds or less. Now, when it comes to sustained, and I emphasize the word sustained weight loss, amphetamines are dangerous. I I used to do resting metabolic rate testing. It's a a short uh, five-minute breathing test uh, that measures RMR or resting metabolic rate. Uh, I did this on every single weight loss client that came in the office. Um, The clients that were coming off of amphetamines, uh, even if it had been months, three, six, nine months, uh, where they'd come off of amphetamines and rebounded uh, and gained all their weight back, had the lowest metabolisms of any other group of people I saw. So it kind of made me put on my thinking cap. I'm thinking, why is this happening? So here's what I came up with. When you take amphetamines, you force your body to lose all sensation of hunger. Your body naturally goes into a catabolic state. That's C-A-T, cat, catabolic state. This is where we get the word cannibalism from. And as gruesome as it sounds... It's exactly what it sounds like. When your body is being starved, it's in such a dire need for protein that it will turn on its own muscle source to get it. Now, if you know that your metabolism is 100% linked to your ratio of lean muscle mass to fat mass, when your muscle mass declines, so does your metabolism. This is why when former amphetamine clinic patients get off of amphetamines, they typically gain all their weight back plus some. Our goal in obesity management is to preserve lean muscle mass, not tear it down. I personally think it borders on malpractice to prescribe amphetamines for weight loss. But it's Big Pharma that gives us this treatment. And when you combine this with the human nature of wanting a quick fix and the persuasive messages of Big Pharma, people lose all aspects of being an independent, thinking human and become like sheep. Or maybe a better way of putting it is they become sheeple. Now, I urge you not to get offended. Instead, get the facts, be informed, and be aware of the hidden agendas behind certain treatments. Losing weight is not hard, but it does require commitment and hard work. It requires preparation, and for some, It requires tracking every single thing that goes into your mouth. Again, these are not popular messages, but they're true. You can't eat processed food and achieve sustainable wellness. You might look thin on the outside, but you will still be fat on the inside. That wraps up this final episode about how I came to do what I do now. I hope you gained some insight And most of all, I hope I gave you some things to think about on your wellness journey. Until next time, this is Brian Brown. I'd like to personally thank you for listening to this episode of the Optimal CEO Podcast. I hope you found today's podcast informative and helpful on your personal optimization journey. You see, we love our Optimal CEO entrepreneurs. And thanks to people like you, the Optimal CEO community is growing. You can help us with that continued growth by giving us a like, sharing this podcast with your friends, or subscribing to our podcast feed. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Here's to you being the most physically optimized CEO entrepreneur possible so you can have an even bigger impact on the world through your business. See you next time, and thanks again for listening.